This is the MagicWordPodcast.com. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you know Mr. Scott Wells, but if any of you listen to podcasts, he's got one of the best podcasts around. It's called The Magic Word. He travels all over the country speaking to magicians, and he's also a performer. He's performed at the world-famous Magic Castle, he's performed at the Magic Island, and he's performed in Las Vegas. But with all these travels and stuff, love, he always has time to be able to take the people that he meets and put together a lecture circuit. So if you ever have lectures in your community, they're probably responsible for Mr. Scott Wells. So ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together and welcome our host for this evening. You're about to enjoy some great conversation with Mr. Scott Wells. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you, Randy. And thank everyone for coming here this evening then to the Senior Tour 2023. I knew it was a Senior Tour because whenever I came in, the first thing they asked for was not an IBM card, but they asked for my AARP card. So and now I get it. I kind of look around, it's like my people, you know. So <laughs> this is great. It just looks like uh, the, I think another word for, uh, for this might be the diminishing returns, you know, <laughs> or the remnants. Here we are. So I'm glad that, uh, particularly this late at night with everybody being here uh, and enjoying the uh, hamburgers. Everybody get about 10 sliders a piece over here? Okay, so that's good appetizer to get started, I guess, for the main course, which will be... 10 more sliders. So got enough of those, I think, to uh, go around and, uh, uh, for, the, for the rest of the evening. Well, again, I want to thank uh, you guys who do listen to the podcast from time to time. I want to thank you particularly because today I released number 750. What? 750. That's right. That's amazing. Thank you. I am so happy and so, uh, so pleased because I've had several people who have been on the podcast over the years. Uh, there are more than 750 people I've had on the podcast because whenever I'm doing convention reports from uh, day to day, the daily reports, I talk to several people each day. Uh, but then also while I'm at a convention, a lot of times I will take some time then to actually take a, a, an hour to record an episode with somebody while I'm there. So I've already got like about, a, you know, 10 in the barrel right now, kind of uh, stacked up and ready for future weeks because I've got a lot of conventions I'm going to. He mentioned I'm going to a lot of conventions, and, and, and that's true. There are a lot of them around. It's hard to catch them all. And so by listening to the podcast, you kind of feel as if that you're there because I try to give you that flavor as if that you uh, can, can feel the uh, emotion about what's going on. I mean, it's so exciting. I mean, when you, you come to the dealer's room and you see all the dealers like we've got here, the dealer we have here, I mean. <laughs> so, uh, which is one of the reasons you come to a convention, you know, to kind of see what's new. Here we come to see what's old. So, <laughs> that's the best dealer table I've seen in years. It is the best one. It's a great dealer. And what I say when you come to see what's old, just look to your left and look to your right. And if, if, if they're not older than you, then guess who's old? So. <laughs> But uh, again, have a lot of people who are in the room that I have talked with, uh, who I have talked with in the past, uh, including Doug Kahn. Doug was one of the early ones that I had. I've, been, I've had this for like 12 years, and I had him on my lecture tour. I've been doing the uh, lecture tour since 2002, and I've got like about 70 different uh, cities around the country that I work with uh, in, in hosting, uh, rather talk with them, try to get lectures to come through. But the uh, format of this this evening is going to be a little bit uh, different from uh, what that I would normally do at a convention. 
or what that I would do then uh, in my podcast. And this is going to be more of a talk show type of a thing in which we're going to be bringing up some people, a few people who uh, are the talent and performers uh, and lecturers at the convention here. Uh, we have a lot of uh, talent. I think we've got about a dozen different performers. I'm not going to be able to get all of them here. Uh, some of them I know, like Andy Gladwin, he's a junior. He's just turning 40. What's this guy doing here? So. <laughs> He just uh, flew in from the UK, and so he uh, said, look, I'm sorry, but I'm going to have to get, get some winks, so he, he went to bed. So there are some others I'm just not going to be having the time to get around to with, uh, with the limited time that we're going to be having tonight. And speaking of limited time, I wanted to uh, speak with someone off as we get started who is really a legend in magic, and particularly uh, in, in, in most endearing to you in the St. Louis community of someone who is well-known not only here in this community, but outside, as I said, legendary from the standpoint uh, that he has uh, done so much and worked at the Magic Castle uh, since uh, the opening day, and that's Harry Monty. So, Harry, thank you very much for coming. And I'd spoken earlier, and Harry's not going to be able to come and speak, but Trudy, his wife's going to come. Trudy, can you come on down, and uh, let's give her a round of applause as she comes to be our first guest over here. Excellent. Thank you so very much. I appreciate you. Uh, uh, we, we chatted briefly beforehand. I'm going to have you uh, have a seat over here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, here she is, uh, Trudy Monty. Hey, Trudy. Thank you very much. <laughs> here, have a seat. Have a mic. And so we were uh, talking briefly, and whenever that uh, Harry has, uh, of course, he is a past president, the uh, national president of the Society of American Magicians. And has that changed over the years as far as uh, the presidents? It seems like the, one of the things the president's known for is kind of traveling the world, you know, and spreading the goodwill. Did you get to travel with him to some foreign destinations, or were you foreign like to Austin, Texas? I mean, how far did you go? Well, we, we traveled a lot. Um, we went to Europe. We went to the first SAM convention in Austria. Wow. Um, we went to Beijing, to China, a couple times. I was national secretary when he was national president. How nice. So um, whenever the China performers needed letters of introduction to come to the U.S. to perform, mm -hmm. I was the one who usually wrote their letters and invited them. So we wow. both worked at it. And so after he had retired from his position, did you also, or did you stick around then? No, I stuck <clears throat> around. I was national secretary for 10 years. Oh, you were? Okay. And then I've been on the um, endowment fund for 25 years. So you're still on the endowment fund. Mm -hmm. How does the endowment fund work, and what, what does that money go to? The basic, it's through donations, the, right? Yeah, it's donations, and the basic premise is for um, arts education. And um, we give scholarships every year to magic camps. We've given them five of them this year to Tannins, one to McBride. And then we also have the Houdini Fund, and I don't think enough people really know about that. Which is why I think you need to uh, preach that, Sister. Yeah. Tell them. The Houdini Fund is, has been established to help magicians, not just magicians, anybody in the arts, to help them if they need financial need. It doesn't pay hospital bills, but it does pay for quality of life. So if somebody has a need for a scooter or um, something that will enhance the quality of their life, they need to apply, they need to get a doctor's uh, recommendation mm -hmm. and apply to the endowment fund. And um, there's a very good chance, if there's a real need, that they can award that. So it's not something for national disasters if there is a hurricane or a tornado necessarily? They, they have um, had requests for I mean, things that could for wipe national... it out pretty fast, I yeah, would think. Yeah, yeah. 
So really, it's more specific the kind of things you're talking about there then. Um, for the really most specific things, and, and the medical need is what it's, it's established for. But and it's been going on. It's the Houdini Fund, mm -hmm. and and I will make another um, observation there. People want to donate to the Houdini Fund because mm -hmm. of the name. The Houdini Fund has a lot of money in it, and the people don't normally. Uh, we don't get a lot of requests for grants from that, mm -hmm. but the endowment fund, separate from the Houdini fund, it needs the money too. I see. So, and we do send the kids to camp and all, and we get um, wonderful comments back from them. I think that's a wonderful thing that they're doing for the committee or for the community because sending five young people to Tannins, um, it's pretty expensive. Oh, I'm sure it is. Yeah, for like a week long, I mean, mm -hmm. the travel and everything with that. Mm -hmm. and so uh, do pe so people can apply. How do they go about applying to that? Who do they go write to? Go to the SAM Magic Endowment Fund website. There's a, an application there. They just fill out the application and send it in. They, they do have to have a financial need. Okay, and they can put that in their essay, whatever they, mm -hmm. they write. Changing the topics here, and I mentioned about the uh, Magic Castle and about Harry working uh, there for a, for a long time. Uh, now, the castle, castle's been open for almost 60 years, I think. When was that, that it opened? Was that uh, in, when was it? 62, 1962? Yeah. yeah, and so I guess that was when uh, Harry first... Uh, he went out there the first year. He performed there 53 years straight. Wow. So he holds the record for I think the that's, longest number that's of some. consecutive performances. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, did you do a different act every year, too? He did stand-up, he did parlor, he did close-up. A lot of times we used to go out for two weeks in a row and he'd do close-up one week and stand-up another wow. week. Wow. Mm -hmm. yeah. How fun. Now, you were telling me earlier about the fire they had. Oh, well, when they had the fire, I think it was 2011, um, we were already scheduled to go out, mm -hmm. and so we had a commitment for all of our travel arrangements, and the castle wasn't open except for one small area down in the, I say the cellar area, the basement, uh, where the Peller Theater is. That was back in under the what used to be the garage, so the fire right. and the water damage didn't hurt that. So they kept that open, and they would have some buffets there. And they had one performer. They didn't cancel Harry because he was from out of town and already had the travel commitments. And so he normally did four shows a night. Well, since he was the only performer, he just performed and performed and performed, and he usually <laughs> ended up doing seven, eight, nine shows a night. Wow. Yeah. Wow, what a but, trooper. But he was the only one there. and. Um, and, of course, it's the castle. Exactly. Uh, now, I guess with his health condition uh, that he's not, the last, doesn't have any plans, I guess, in uh, coming this year? Or? No. His, his last performance was um, in 19, or not, I'm sorry, 2016, I guess. Mm -hmm. And um, that was his 53rd year. It happened to be our 45th anniversary was his very last performance. And that on was, that date? Yeah, on that date. <laughs> and that was his last performance period. He's had a lot of medical issues, mm -hmm. and when he came back to St. Louis, he had a procedure done that wasn't effective, and it left him virtually bedridden mm -hmm. for about five years since then. And so he had no more performances, but he, his last performance, he was at the top of his game. Right. That night, he not only got a standing ovation, but two ladies jumped up and kissed him. So, <laughs> and one of them I'm, was not you, I'm taking no, it. No, one of them was not me. <laughs> and I said, go for it, guy. <laughs> get it while you can get it. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. Trudy, thank you very much. I appreciate you being thank a guest you. over here. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> if you wish to stay with us, you can just kind of scoot over there if you want.
Uh, that's okay if I can get up too. <laughs> here we go. That's why it's called the senior tour. So thank there you. we go. Thanks again, Trudy, and thank you, Harry. I appreciate that. Uh, uh, next, we have uh, some other guests I'm going to be uh, choosing from the audience, and I want to talk with Doug Kahn for just a minute. Doug's going to be the, uh, one of the people who are going to be uh, lecturing and performing here as well. There's a microphone then for you. What's up, Thanks, God? Doug. Hey, oh, man. Check, check. <laughs> hey, y'all. So, uh, all the way from New Orleans, and uh, I haven't heard too much from John Rockerbomber in a while. What's John up to? Yeah, he's, uh, you know, been hunkered down since the thing, you know, just mm -hmm. in uh, Algiers Point doing the... I remember that he was working his full-time job, I thought, was like with an airline company, and I assume he's retired from that some time ago. Many moons, yeah. He yeah. did a good deal on that early out and then went right into just being the super magic publisher. Right. And so what kinds of uh, publications has he been doing? Has he published uh, your stuff? Or? Yeah, most of, I think, what he's doing now is publishing online, like library.com. If you go on there, you can find like 60 manuscripts by Rockabomber covering mm -hmm. a variety of subjects. A couple days ago, I'm researching Red Hot Mama. Where do I, what do I see there? Rockabomber's got the bibliography with 17 methods and all the right. history. So, you know, if you want to look up his stuff, that's probably the best place to get it. I don't know that he's super active. Uh, publishing now but yeah for a while there he was going to all the conventions it seems like mm -hmm. and i would uh, catch him uh, different be places SAM in uh, july well and junior New Orleans. it's yeah, going to be at the big easy yeah, there so right, yeah. come on down to uh, Louisiana. Come on in Orleans, <laughs> always now, a good time in i Orleans. saw a picture that he had posted with uh, just recently at uh, the anniversary of harry anderson's uh, passing which was just a, what four years ago or just recently, I mean, yeah, in recent history. Passing anniversaries. Yeah, four or five years yeah, ago, I yeah. think. So it's been uh, recent. And oh, yeah. so... It was at the dry dock. <laughs> it was. You were the one who had posted, said, you know, yeah. what was the... It was the restaurant. Well, someone said, what are you eating, John? And I said, I could answer that. <laughs> and that'd be uh, gumbo, side of sausage, John out of bow boy. <laughs> Meals I've had many, many times in that joint. That's, that place has been home to some serious... Uh, sessions. Is that in the quarter or where about that? It's in Algiers Point. So if you're in the French Quarter and you jump on the ferry across right. the river, which right. I recommend to everyone, I say, you want a good time? Take the ferry across the river. Go get a po' boy at the Dried Up Cafe, which is... Yeah, get away um, from Bourbon Street. Go across yeah, the... Yeah, do a little... And that's a great neighborhood. I raised my family there. Uh, my baby's mom, I used to work there. My daughter even did at one point. Mm -hmm. One of the guys said, did your daughter work there? I said, yeah. She served many famous card men. Well, speaking of card men, and going back to Harry Anderson for just a minute, then also that he lived there for a while and had the spade and arrow uh, magic shop. Spade for, and Archer. Spade and Archer, sorry. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, so do you have any stories about uh, Harry? I mean, well, You know, right before he opened that shop, I had a shop in the French Quarter, and uh, I'm working the counter one day. I'm like, yeah, I'm in my magic shop, and then I see this in the counter. I see it in the window. Like, yeah, it's Harry Anderson looking in my window. He came in to tell me he's opening a shop down the street. Um, eventually my shop wouldn't be there after that. <laughs> Go figure. Is that, that was, because of the hurricane? No, actually, that was Katrina? me losing my mind. I just oh. walked out of that shop due to a bad business arrangement sometimes, you know. So you just walked out? Well. Basically. Kind of. You know, when okay. you have business partners and they don't do their job well sometimes. Things, and also... Do we want to talk about the turbulent life of a magic shop owner? Nah, let's go on and talk about something else. Yeah. Well, there are not many brick-and-mortar magic shops around there, anymore. There's not. No, there's not. You can almost count them, it seems like, I mean, across the United States. That are I have still hopes Vanishing Inc. is going to open a 1,000 across. Andy Gladwin, we need magic shops across the globe. <laughs> well, we did have that, wasn't that uh, Magic Masters that was uh, high-end? I, I did time there for... Off Good and time. on, no, it's like that. I mean, after the first six months, it's not fun anymore. It's yeah. just 
you're in the mall. Because you're teaching basically the same thing, kind of the helicopter card and, a, and the goal Rocky was to Raccoon. Sell Rocky and Raccoons. Rocky, yeah. That was the pitch. Right. You, you gathered a crowd with magic tricks. Sure, you sold magic, but the goal was to sell that raccoon. Which is what where David Williamson, I guess, got Absolutely. started. Absolutely. The, yeah. the routine you see him do is 90% the routine we use to sell the raccoon in that shop. Did he develop that routine, or was that something that. Uh, so that came from a comic named Jeff Justice. Jeff Justice, of course. That's yeah, what it was. He yeah, had yeah. the restaurant story. It all evolved from that, whacking the raccoon. Yep. Uh, I'm sure a lot of that's Williamson, you know, because his, if you, his comedy runs deep in the Magic Master script. I'm sure mm-hmm. a lot of that Rocky is his, you yeah. know, and uh, yeah, what a, what a. Well, we'll be talking about some other people. I'm going to talk about you then uh, as well before we move on with somebody else. But I wanted to uh, talk with you a little bit about social media because I know during the lockdown that you've become Mr. YouTube and you're yeah. teaching a, a lot of, uh, of magic and. Uh, so so during, co- during COVID, I became Mr. Short Form Video Guy is what I became. Okay. Posting one minute videos, vertical videos, TikToks and YouTube, Instagram reels. During that course, I transitioned to YouTube long form, and that's got my attention now where I am doing a myriad of things. I, you know, I do lives where I perform magic. I have guests. And that was all out of necessity because you were really a street magician for the right, longest time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I, uh, when everyone was out of work for the, sure. all the entertainers, but certainly the buskers. And you know what I did right away was I took all the buskers who rely on the street you know, to make a living when it was shut down. I said, let's try something online and see if we can generate some interest. And if nothing else... It'll give us something to do for a couple of weeks, you know, while mm-hmm. we're waiting out this three-week lockdown. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know? Yes. So uh, we did a show online, and I got interested in the platforms, and my daughter said, hey, you should try TikTok. And, you know, three years later, I'm still in the game. And you have been able to successfully monetize that. It's my job now, for the most part. I still do gigs. I still street perform, but I could pay the bills with all the... So you kind of do your performing almost as a hobby because this is you, you really are, are earning your bread street from perform, the, the street performing in particular has become a, more of a part of the social media job than collecting money on the street. Like if I go out to the street perform, I'm more interested in getting a one or two minute moment to share with my online audience, which would generate a lot more income than the money I would make from passing the hat that mm-hmm. day right. and getting money. So when I go street perform now, it's a different goal. Uh, I don't know if that statement's str- in the ballpark. A lot of street performers kind of move from place to place. They'll go to Key West or they go out to California. Yeah, through, or they, necessity. You know, through necessity. But you have always, as I recall, just pretty much stayed in, uh, in the Big Easy there. Correct, correct. So, Why yeah. did you find that? that so, because your family's there, I guess. But Yeah, well, I'm raising children there. I raised three girls there. And I would do uh, occasional jaunts traveling around. But um, I would complement my busking with professional work. Contracts, mm-hmm. you know, I did like Nabisco, Unlock the Magic, and oh, boy, that the, goes back. I yeah, that, right. Yeah. But it's you know a lot of those things. So I do Magic Masters for a while, and mm-hmm. yeah, I guess what do they call me? A journeyman? Is that is that what it makes That's me? What, that I'm a journeyman. journeyman. Uh, speaking it of, means uh, I don't do anything really well. <laughs> 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 but I do a lot of stuff. <laughs> Jack of all trades. Uh, so I was I uh, wanted to mention briefly before we move on here it was about uh, Gazzo because I understand yeah. that he recently had a stroke I don't know how many of you know that or not uh, or also know about the GoFundMe account that they're trying to raise some money to uh, help him uh, you want to talk about that just briefly or yeah, about your well, relationship or knowing Gazzo, Gazzo and, yeah well Gazzo had a stroke let me tell you about Gazzo who I don't really know that well and he didn't know me that well but after Hurricane Katrina right where the city yep. got wiped out 
very first magician that calls me to see how I'm doing is Gazo. And I had never talked to that man in my life. How he, nice. He knew I was a busker and knew was I was concerned. And concerned. How and nice. I speak, uh, this speaks volumes about this man. And, uh, yeah, uh, what else do you need to know about Gazo than that, you know? Besides this. And I don't know how you guys know or feel about street performers, but this man has put more smiles on more faces probably than any magician alive. He's out there doing shows in the wild for 100, 200, 300 people, 400, 500 a day, 300 days a year, 30 years in a lifetime. Imagine how many faces have seen Gazo and laughed. More than television. You know, David Copperfield, Matt King, they might give him a run for his money on shows done and smiles made, but he's certainly in the top three, in my opinion, and wow, what a legend. So if you can help him, Gazo GoFundMe, you can find it there, and he could use the help. He sure can. He had a stroke uh, a few years back and recovered from this one, that one, but this is a lot more serious than his right side, and I can understand that he's pretty much paralyzed on one side. And yeah. How old would he be now? He's in his 60s, I'm sure. Right, right, yeah. So in the 60s. He could use your, your assistance uh, again, so just check uh, for Gazo at GoFundMe. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you very much. Uh, oh, it's a pleasure, uh, Scott. Thank you. If you want to just scoot over uh, for a minute oh, because... Like that. Yep, so that way that you can kind of uh, uh, share the bench or the chair, if you will. Boy, it's hard to get in and out of that. Uh, with somebody else that I had talked to uh, earlier. Is Bill Goodwin in here, by chance? Uh, Bill must have skipped out. Where's Bill? Oh, there you are. Come on, man. <laughs> From the Magic Castle, here he is, the Magician of the Year, close-up Magician of the Year, Bill Goodwin. <laughs> there you go, Bill. So glad that you're here. Uh, and I understand this is not your first uh, senior tour. You, came, you were here last year then, too, right? Yes, I've done 100% of the senior tours. You've been in every one of these. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you, why'd you come back again this year? Did you just have a lot of fun last year? Or? Money. <laughs> yeah, big money. <laughs> Well, I noticed that you're sporting something different this year. you got a little hirsute here. Oh, yes, yes. I thought I'd uh, shake it up a little bit. I don't know if it <laughs> Go incognito. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to ask a little bit about the, uh, the Magic Castle and the library. You've been a librarian. What's the other lady's name that works with you? That, uh... Oh, she moved away. Oh, so she we did? Have, yeah, we have another uh, librarian named Joe Fox, who's stupendous. He's really great. Mm -hmm. He knows a lot of stuff I don't know. He knows about prop magic. And I know, I Joe. Is he the guy that wears a derby? And no, he's guy? a tall guy. Oh. He's a Houdini guy. He's an escape artist. Okay, but I still want your job, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm serious. It's not funny. I want no, I got a pretty sweet gig, I think. <laughs> what makes that job so great? Well, for me, it, I, love, I love reading books. And that's yeah. how I grew up learning magic. You so. sound like Dick Hatch. Yeah, so it's like, every, I've told this to a lot of people, but every time I clock out every, every day, I know it's, it's better. I like that part of it, and they pay me for making it better. So it's, yeah, I get, it's twofold, really, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I love it. It's a great, great resource. And if you perform at the Magic Castle, even though you're not a member, you do get library access for the whole week. Mm -hmm. So do the late shows, because if you do the early shows, I close before you're off. <laughs> <laughs> well, when you and I were working close-up together, 
Uh, were you working the library and then coming doing the show later? I'm sure I was. <laughs> <laughs> really doing double duty. Yeah. Uh, and as we were talking earlier, that uh, year when we were working, you ended up being the close-up magician of the year. And the next year, I was working with um, Armando Lucero, and he won magician of the year. So if you want to be the magician of the year, make sure you <laughs> end up working Scott's with me. Scott's the man. That's right. Because <laughs> I compared the two, it's like that guy, not Scott. So <laughs> uh, now about the library, how do, do can you check books out? Then also, or you have to stay. No, it's all in-house. Study. All in-house. Can't leave with anything. Do you have much, if any, thievery from time to time, or do you keep track of all you the know, books? It's or? tough to know. I know back sure. in the day they used to, uh, when they had nobody actually manning the thing. But mm-hmm. the way the library works, if somebody stole a book and I noticed a book missing, I, it could have been stolen five years earlier. I wouldn't know. There's too much in there. <laughs> sure. I, I really have no clue. And if we had cameras everywhere, who's going to look at five years' worth of footage right. to find out who the guy was? Right. Know? And the books that you have, I are hope you... that doesn't mean you're going to think, oh, I can go in and steal a book. <laughs> <laughs> you're not given free reign here. Uh, so whenever that you uh, uh, are given books, do you have a place for it, or is it kind of one in, have one has to come out? Or I mean, you have a finite storage space. Well, there. it's really creeping up on us right now. We're running out of some space, so I'm not mm-hmm. sure how to handle it it because uh, people keep giving us stuff well, that's I thing. don't want to get rid of anything hire more help. you need more help and more space <laughs> <laughs> well you can uh, donate an extra building and then I'll let you run that <laughs> yeah you got Randy Pitchford yeah, money yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right uh, yeah, just add a, have another library addendum. Yeah, stuff. More books addition. come out all the time. You know, you would think books might be a dead thing, but it's not. Vanishing Ink produces books all the time, and they're great, and they're very kind to the library. If they publish books themselves, they always donate them, and it's just constant, constant donations from Vanishing Ink. Well, I would think there'd be constant donations also, Bill, from the standpoint you have a lot of people who are dying magicians and their widows, usually women, yeah, don't know what to do to with it. grab everything and then uh, decide which we want to keep and what we want to sell, but right. it takes so much time. Now I say, please give me a list. Let me see what we need. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want to do that, that's fine, but I have to uh, you know, be a little picky. Now. And so do you have a list of things that you are looking for that you'd like to have? Or you kind of look at it and say, well, I'd like to, I, I think I'd like to keep this one. This is uh, Benson by Starlight. We don't have that or whatever, you know. There were certain books. There was one book, The Ramsey Finale. I've wanted it for a long time. The library never had it. Mm-hmm. I finally got it like four or five months ago. Okay. And it cost me $200. It was on eBay. It was totally worth it. It turned out to be... Paul Daniels copy so it's got his book plate in there Mm -hmm. and a letter from Andrew Galloway to uh, Paul Daniels with an inscription as well so Mm -hmm. it was worth every penny and it wasn't my money so it was all good (laughs) so they actually gave you some money to buy it's not all donations to to, uh, add to the collection yeah yeah I have a book in my collection from uh, Tony Andruzzi that was after the fire remember that uh, it actually some of the pages are charred it smells like smoke really yeah got his name inscribed in there too wow um it was kind of cool uh but i think that's something too as far as you're talking about maybe book plates uh do you think that's an important thing that when you are buying a collection that it might be worth more because it came from vernon or or paul daniels i mean does that have some you know i really don't know i would think so mm-hmm. you know if you have a houdini signature in a book that's going to be a lot more yeah well of course yeah, yeah that's going to be kind of rare and i think people would would know about that 
but yes. I think, you know, some others. I'm just saying, you know, I, I had some book plates made a long time ago, so every book that I know of is in my library has a book plate. If it doesn't have a book plate, and then also I put this in my, uh, in a database, so I know how much I paid for it, you know, what the, uh, who the author was, and uh, whether it was a first printing, a first edition, or whatever like that. Do you keep uh, any kind of a database? Well, like we that do too? have a database, and it's actually available to the public, so you can go to magichouse.com slash library, and you can see our holdings, and it talks about what edition it is, how many pages. That's great. If it's so they can come not. and read that, look at it then. Yeah, online, anybody can go there and check it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's important. I had uh, gotten that tip actually from a little book that uh, Jay Marshall had written and about the importance of making a database. And so if, 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 if at our age, most of us have pretty good-sized libraries, and it's never too late to start a little bit at a time, you know, taking two or three books off the shelf and kind of putting in that. And then, you, again, you stamp it, put a book plate or whatever you want so you know that, that those have been or categorized and, and cataloged. And then you can kind of move on in a little bit at a time over period. Then you'll have them all done. Yeah, once you do it once, you know you got it solved. You, know, yes. you don't have to think about it again, and it's going to be something you're going to go back to, and you're going to be glad you did it. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, Bill, thanks very much. I appreciate you oh, being no a guest problem. over here. Thanks. So, uh, uh, Bill Goodwin, thank you. Do I just scoot over there closer to uh, the Doug? There we go. And as we uh, kind of go on also, I was talking to Randy Wakeman a little bit earlier. Is Randy still around here? Randy bugged out? Okay, I guess so. I'm going to be calling on Alan Ackerman over here to come over and join us. Then, hey, Alan, come on over. Hey, man. <laughs> you're over there shuffling cards. I know what you're doing. <laughs> you're not paying attention. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> um, man, you look like an actor. I mean, you look uh, like you're healthy and in good shape, and you look like that you just uh, came off the set of a movie. So you're doing good, feeling good? You're having a good time? Oh, yeah. Sure. Good. And so, well, Vegas has been uh, good for you, and... Uh, I've been there, 50, I got there in 71, so 52 years now. 52 years, wow. Yeah. And did you work for a while, uh, like, as a, as a residence, kind of like, uh, you know, with Mike Skinner and some of the other guys who had uh, different uh, places they were working? Uh, no, that, no. So I actually always thought, well, I was in the service. That's how I got oh, that's there. Right. I guess I was yeah. in Ellis. And then I thought uh, I was going to go into gaming security. I really mm-hmm. did. And uh, so as soon as I got out of the service, that was 73, I went and took advantage of the GI Bill and got my degree. And, what was uh, your degree in? Uh, mathematics. In mathematics, pr- okay. Probability theory. And, uh, and, but I really emphasized in computer science. But the computer died. department was part of the math department back then. We didn't have a computer department. And Percy Diaconis, I guess, was teaching that he, class back then. No, no. He, <laughs> he, was, he's a, he was in Stanford or someplace. Okay. Yeah. So I was just at UNLV. And then uh, we got an MZI computer in there, and I thought shuffle simulator. So and I had this gaming uh, software computer business. Mm-hmm. And that was that was my main profession. For and then I taught computer science and, right. and math at the at the universities. And the magic's just been what caused me to have these other <laughs> careers. So you know, and you were doing that kind of on the side during this whole time, I assume. Then, as oh well. yeah, never stopped the boards. Never. Yeah. Never. Yeah, and so after you retired from that, then you started spending more time uh, with with the cards, I guess, with the baseball. Yeah, I got to, obviously I got more time than I used sure, to. Sure, sure. Yeah. So the how many books have you got? Two? No, I I got four four, four. books. Okay. And then I've got lots of sets of lecture notes. You bring yeah. any with you? Yeah. Okay. So I got a new set of <laughs> notes called Senior Moments 2023. <laughs> 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 And, uh, Perfect for us. Yeah, so, uh, 
So every chapter is the same. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and then I add, what was something like 23 DVDs or something like that. Mm-hmm. Now, those four books that you wrote, were those prior to your retirement or? Oh, after? no, they were a long time ago. My first book was 70, uh, 69. Yeah, okay. 1969. That was right before I went into service. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you've seen an evolution of magic in Las Vegas that went from nothing to to where we are now. I mean, for a while, I understand that they couldn't book magicians in Las Vegas. They were not accepted. They didn't want them. To, I mean, it was, well, you know, the I, Rat Pack back then. And When I got there, Siegfried was at Stardust. Oh, okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. he was doing great. Getting standing ovations every night. I guess night. that'd be about right now. Think about that. Fifty years ago, so it was further back. So you weren't there during the mob days. No, I got okay. there like I said in '71. Yeah, yeah. So okay, I'm sorry. Boy, time flies. For some reason, I keep thinking '50s would be back in the '50s, but no. Here we are in 2023. So, um, senior moment. So, <laughs> so uh, with with that, uh, you have still seen. It's of course Siegfried and Roy brought magic, and then you can kind of see how I guess more close-up guys, you know, yeah. had, had had come about. Sure. So Skinner moved, I think, in 75 to Vegas, mm-hmm. Lily Langtree's at uh, Golden Nugget. Yeah. And spent uh, about 22 years there. I was thinking of some of the other guys also who were working uh, at the casinos. Um, and my mind has gone completely oh, blank. Jimmy, Jimmy. Well, Johnny Paul was Johnny there. Paul, that was the one name I was trying to think of. And, and Buddy. Uh, or not Buddy. And then we had Jimmy Grippo. Jimmy Grippo, thank you. And we had Daniel Cross. So Daniel Cross is still around. Yes, he is. I was trying to get with him to do a podcast episode, and uh, we just couldn't get in contact with him. A buddy of mine, David McGee, was just saying, hey, you know, he knows Daniel, and never could, uh, he was trying to contact him. Is, is we around? you see him still from time to time? Well, it's been probably two, three, two, three years. So it's like prior him. to COVID, that's the last time you saw him, maybe? Uh, like that was 20, I guess, when it started. So Yeah, maybe 219, mm-hmm. somewhere mm-hmm. around there. Yeah. And so he stopped working. Uh, sometime. I remember he was on the cover of the Lincoln Ring magazine with a little seahorse that uh, you know he had done. And he did that, I guess, as part of his act also. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, he did. I saw him do it many times. And yeah, it must have been a killer. Yeah, it's fun. Yeah. What would you say would be a signature trick of yours that you like to do? Uh, you know, it's what I'm working on. Time. Love it. That's a great. That's the right answer. That's what you're working on at the time, and so you got some new stuff you're going to be showing here at the convention. Yeah. Uh, so then as well. Right. Yep. Yep. Gonna and be. so, what are your long-term goals? What else are you planning on uh, doing or going? You're going to stay so, in so Vegas, I guess. I wrote a book for Andy and uh, and Josh, yeah. and it's it's called <laughs> All In. We're excited. A new book. A new book. Two volumes. <laughs> give one to the Magic Castle there. <laughs> and so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so hopefully that'll come up i'll be talking to andy about that tomorrow he's got the photos now he's got to put them in got to get it laid out yet. right but the book's written mm-hmm. so that's that project and then uh, i think i might uh put reprint the old ones to like maybe do an early ackerman right with the uh, right. esoterrorist the mafia book and uh, here's my card put those up you know briefly before i bring on another guest over here i was wanting to uh, know if you had uh, worked very closely or knew no um oh golly again my mind just kind of went blank the uh, uh two guys you were talking about security like at casinos and the fellows who uh, uh had written the book um steve forty and his buddy and uh, and uh, jason england not jason england uh, uh george joseph no sorry the other guy I'm trying to think when it was at Magic Live. I remember that um, Bill Malone was who? Ron Conley. Ron Conley. Thank you. That's the name I was trying to think of. And uh, yeah, do you, do you chat with those guys from time to time? Or 
Steve, every now and then. Uh -huh. Ron, I've only had uh, maybe Passing one or two sessions with okay. over okay. the years. I just didn't know if they had encouraged you or maybe tried to help you get into that or if you thought about getting back into no, the security so, firm. No. no. Okay. So what, what happened was uh, when I got my little computer company, I just kind of, that's, that's, that's off in my own little world. That's me, yeah. That's yeah. Your, your, your new uh, jam. That's what you're going to do. Okay. That sounds great. Alan, thank you very much. I appreciate you being a guest. Alan Ackerman. Let's move on down there if you would there a second. All right. Um, one last guest. I think we got room for one more person uh, over here then, too. I uh, believe that Mike Powers is still here, isn't he? Come on, Mike. Come on down here. Here, take the mic right there, Mike. Here we go. There we go. Um, a lot of card guys here <laughs> that we've got, uh, certainly. So glad that uh, you could join us. And speaking of cards, uh, I uh, know you retired a long time ago away, uh, from uh, school. You were teaching science? Uh, physics uh, and phys math and, and stuff. And physics and math, that's right, that's right. Uh, which is how that you got into the Tesseract. The Tesseract, yes, indeed. Which is the uh, title of your book. And I, I know <laughs> that we, we were just talking earlier as we started talking about it, people would zone out quickly. But <laughs> Are we going to talk about it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want... If they want to go to sleep, it is very interesting to me. If you can go back and listen to the podcast, it goes into more detail as to what that is. But it's basically something that is... Uh, well, it, I, I can... I'll, yeah, it's, it's that. Explain that. It's that. It's, it's basically this. a four-dimensional <laughs> hypercube. There you go, four-dimensional. That, that's, that's basically it. Thank you. And the cool thing is we can't visualize it because it's beyond three dimensions that we live in. If you could go X, Y, two perpendicular, right? the plane, X and Y, and then Z, the, per the third dimension. Right. If you could go perpendicular to all three of those dimensions at, at once, right. which we can't do, you would step out of our universe, basically. It sounds pretty far out, because where would you be if you're not in our universe? Well, you wouldn't be in this universe if you could do that. Anyway, the, the Tesseract exists there, but you can cast a shadow of it. In the multiverse. Well, no, the multiverse is different, though. We, we can go down that road if you want to. We can go down that road if you, if you like. Well. How much time do we have? Anyway, the shadow of a tesseract is three-dimensional, and you can actually, it's on the cover of my book. Just buy the book, you can see the what shadow. a tesseract looks like, yes. And so there is a trick you call a tesseract in there? Or why, why the no. you know, title for the magic? That, you know, that is, that's really a fast. question that I've asked myself. I, when I was writing the book, I thought, what am I going to call this book? And I just always loved the four-dimensional, it's just such a far-out idea, the it fourth is. dimension. Yeah. And I just thought, you know, can I hook this into magic? And I thought, well, it's, you know, magic is kind of in the fourth dimension. It's where you can't, the spectators can't see what we're doing, right? Because mm -hmm. it's out of their view. Oh, Even I though it's right going. in front sure. of them, right? Okay. So it's sort of like being in the fourth dimension, where we can't really see what's going on there because it's outside of our universe. Mm -hmm. I just you know, decided to hook it in, and I just love the name Tesseract, and that's basically it. I like that. Okay, <laughs> that kind of makes some sense, and I don't think we lost anybody out there then, by the way. <laughs> we haven't gone to sleep yet. I'm watching them. <laughs> uh, and it's hard talking with you without uh, talking with Maria also. Is Maria here, by the way, then, too, or is she already? I think she's... She might have gone to bed. I think, you, I think, I think the Tesseract conversation probably yeah, sent her she's, out. She's, she's heard enough about uh, Tesseract. Okay, well, but you guys had met. Uh, she was a magician, is a magician in her own right, and yes, you had met her at the Abbott's get-together. Is that yes, right? Yes, we did, yeah. 
So it, tell me about how that, oh I thought man. that was kind of an interesting story. Uh, it, it's cool. I'll try to keep it short. But I was talking to some friends of first from the Champaign-Urbana area, and I can still picture this. We were on, on the main drag of, of coal, and you've been there. Mm. And um, I look over, and there's this really foxy chick walking towards us with this black leather miniskirt on. And, you know, I'm just like, wow, who is that? And she walks up and goes, oh, and they say, oh, this is Maria. You know, she's a magician. And I was like, wow. And uh, we, we uh, met again at the Legion and talked about, you know, things. And we just had all this overlapping interests and everything. And mm-hmm. next thing you knew, we were, we were married. And, and uh, she's a Chavez graduate. She's very right. serious about magic in her own right. She's a, a Fector's attendee. She's got her Ph.D., performed three times, did right. really well. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things. It's nice to have a wife who's a magician because you don't have to do the dishes just to show somebody a card trick, you know. (laughs) That's true. Now, you get around to a few conventions from time to time. And what is one of your favorite conventions you like to attend? Well, the senior tour. The senior tour comes to mind as a... uh, (laughs) um, Well, some of the memorable ones. I was seeing Alan up here. And he is one of my heroes in magic. I think he knows that. I met him in 1980. I was 33 years old. It was a desert magic seminar at the Aladdin. Do you remember this, Alan? And I think we were sitting with John Cornelius and Roger Klaus, and Alan was there. I remember that. Didn't Vernon lecture that one also? And Slidini Slidini. was there. Absolutely. Ricky Jay. I don't remember Ricky Jay, but um, Vernon and Slidini were there, and it was supposed to be Fred Capps. Yes. As the guest. And but he Philippe, had cancer. He had cancer, and Philippe Fialo came and did some really cool stuff and showed some video of, of Fred Capps. But I have Ellen's book, uh, Here's My Card. Did you just say it's going to be reprinted, Ellen? Well, this could be my next project. Next project. It's a freaking fantastic book. I hope nobody else gets it because there's some fantastic stuff in there. It's a little thin book. I've got it autographed by Ellen, 1980. Um, uh, that was that was my first magic convention, so that's one of my favorites just because I met so many people. I saw Johnny Paul, Jimmy Grippo there, a young Mike Amar, young Daryl. Mm-hmm. It was just a freaking fantastic convention, and my first one. So it just got me Hard so fired up. What's that? Hard to beat. Yes, so that that's... Until we got here. Until we got here. The senior tour is dominating my, uh, you know... At this point, but uh, you know, Abbott's is one that you go to. Uh, a real down-home convention, hard to describe, isn't it? When you try to, what's Abbott's like? You know, it's like you a summer say? camp for adult magicians. <laughs> That's right. It's it's a very very different uh, experience, but so much fun, and and we have that. Uh, Magi Fest is one mm-hmm. that I've gone to for years and years and years. Uh, St. Louis Jubilee, which this may be a spinoff of that, I think, because Steve Zelke, I think he was a part of putting that together back in the day, if I remember right. Uh, that that was a, a really great convention. Um, those are the ones that, that come to mind. Of course, Vectors. You know, you can't beat Vectors. I was about see, to say that. See you in a week there, huh? Yeah, yep, we'll all be there, and it's going to be our 50th coming up. And so yes. be, the sad part is that Obi didn't quite make that. Obi yeah. Bryan didn't make yeah. it to his 50th. It's, it's, it's too bad, for yeah. sure. But you have been an integral part of that then as well. I think I'm coming up on my 40th uh, attendance oh, wow. here this oh, year. You, you, got, you got me beat, man. Uh, but you also conduct like the Pat Page learn a trick or teach a trick kind of a thing. I, I do. Yeah, I've been doing that for years when Pat Page... Uh, died some years back. Uh, they, I inherited the responsibility of some big shoes 
to Phil, because Pat was fantastic in that role. It's kind of a themed teacher trick, which I like. So, so we, each we, year? Yeah, each year we, the, the group picks out a topic from a list, like, you know, magic from 50 years ago, Martin Gardner tricks, chick, tricks with sticky shit, sticky mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, well, or, or I, business I forgot cards, where I was. Business cards. Business whatever, cards. Yeah. And, and so everybody who's on teaching a trick, it's, that's the theme, mm -hmm. which has been really, really been effective. It's been a very uh, a good session. So this year we're doing who was Eddie Fector. We're kind of deviating from the normal teach a trick thing. But going back to its roots. when Eddie Yeah, I think and it, partly it was because a lot of the guys are, are younger and uh, don't really know Eddie Factor. They're going to Factors without really knowing much about Eddie Factor. So right. we've got a little panel of people who. Alan, knew you've attended uh, 4F. No, it's I, I never did. you haven't been there. Well, you sh you Bill, how about should, you? Man. Doug, I know. Either. Yes. Okay. Okay, it's on me. I'm going to sponsor all We're three special, of you guys I'll, next I'll sign year. I'll the second one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you got two sponsors here. <laughs> it's kind of you know if you maybe they didn't really think about going, but these guys absolutely should be there. It'd they be so much fun. Influence a lot of the people who are there. Certainly. Oh, absolutely. These guys are are, are great uh, folks in in magic and legendary in many ways. Back in the old days, when we did meet at the Forks Hotel, I mm -hmm. think that was fun, where we actually had a fish fry, and that goes back you know on Friday nights at. Uh, there, the remember that? Yeah, you, well, this year, you, you haven't seen this video. I'm, I'm bringing uh, my, my panel of people was supposed to be like five or six people, and some of them can't make it or for different reasons. I won't go into all the details. But I'm having to rely on some videos. Well, I shot some video in 1991 of arriving at the Forks, seeing the sign, magicians, Forks Hotel, going in the door, being in the bar area back in those days, and it's just pandemonium in there. It's it nothing was. like it is now, and it's really going to be fun, and I think you'll have fun with this because nobody has ever seen this video. I'm bringing it this year. Oh, I'm excited to see that. Yeah, so it'll be fun. Yeah, with so many uh, old faces that, uh, that will bring back such memories, you know, with that then as well. I think that's yeah. the great thing about these conventions. We get an opportunity to see each other uh, once a year. And a lot of times at these conventions, there are only people who attend that convention yeah. from that region or whatever. So right. uh, they don't go to the IBM or the SAM. Or if they go to that, that's the only one they go to right. or, you know, whatever it is. Some people have only gone to the 4F convention, you know. Right. But it's all but, over the world, right? I mean, there's how many nationalities are there that you can see. And Glenn yeah, uh, puts out the PDF file and it shows all the countries that are represented and who's on right. the show. It's really cool because you can see, I mean, it's something Jimmy, like 20 there, countries. You? Yeah, Jim yep. Molinari has yeah, been there. Oh, Jimmy's well, Jimmy's been there many times, yeah. yeah. Yep, for sure. Because I was going to say, you, do you help with the, uh, the sound also sometimes too? Or? No. But, okay. No, Jimmy doesn't know anything about sound. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know Jimmy C is the guy who handles yeah, Jimmy, that, but I was Jimmy thinking C. that he's got a, a, a crew of different guys who have uh, kind of helped. You haven't been back pulling curtains or anything, so you've just kind of been one of the attendees. I, I make this guy. Michigan used to do some of the Tony, Tony Gerard. Tony Gerard. Yeah, Tony yeah. Yes, right. Oh. Yep. Right, right. I, I knew Jimmy in 1980. I've got his lecture notes. We were just talking yeah. about that today, right? That's right. Jimmy Molinari, 1980. Yeah. Yep. Now, you're going to be uh, also lecturing and performing here then, aren't you, as well? I'll be performing Saturday. Yeah. That's why I think you need to come up over here and have a seat then also. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Mike, thank you very much. Yes. If you want to hand the bike over to Jimmy and just have a seat over here, then, Jimmy. lay down on the <laughs> uh, thank you, Jim, uh, Jim Molinari. This is going to be, you say, performing on the Saturday Night Show. I believe so. Okay. Uh, and I also want to mention, by the way, for those of you who are here, we do have another microphone over there. If there are some questions, I don't want to feel like this is one-sided of just me. If there's something that you want to ask somebody, please feel free to kind of go over there and to, uh, because this is being recorded, to go out 
for the podcast, so probably, probably going out late tomorrow night or Saturday. But on uh, Saturday, so uh, you're going to be doing some stand-up, close-up, or what are you planning? A little bit of close-up then as well? Okay. Now, um, you have, are you, you live in St. Louis. I uh, live across the river in Waterloo, Illinois. Okay, well, gosh, that's south of here, right? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Is that kind of near where Metropolis is? Uh, uh, the, the city right to the north is Columbia. Okay. And then Waterloo's a further down, oh. Route Route 3. Okay, gotcha. Because I was thinking there was another, because uh, Metropolis is where S- uh, Superman is, right? Right. Yeah, okay, and that's in, in Illinois over there. And they've got a statue to him and everything. I mean, it's yeah. kind of interesting. There's, there's another place over there, I think it's got a statue of uh, Popeye. Popeye, right? Yeah. And it's, where is that? Chester. Where is that? Chester, Illinois. Chester, Illinois. Is that near you? 45 minutes. Well, there you go. And why is... Popeye honored there. I mean, what's the, they, they sell a lot of spinach or something? I have no idea. What is it? We do have the expert here. Who is that? Uh, Mike McClure. Mike McClure. Yeah. And Mike's here? Mike, why don't you come and speak over here in the microphone? I, I'm kind of curious to know uh, why we are honoring Popeye over in Chester, Illinois. I think that's kind of... Don't mean to get off topic here, Jimmy, but I just think that's kind of... Uh, uh, interesting. I understand why it has Superman honored in Metropolis yeah, for right. obvious reasons. But um, so, uh, Mike McClure, tell us. How much time do we have? <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> Is that mic on over there, Jess? There's a button over there, or you can use this mic. Um, there we go. Yes, it is now. Okay, you're live now. It's not Memorex. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> I'll be appearing here all night. Yeah. Uh, no, Popeye, uh, the creator of Popeye, Elsie Seagar, was oh. born and raised in our town. And the characters from the Popeye strip that you're familiar with, Popeye, Olive, Wimpy, those are all real people that lived in town. They huh. were inspired by real people. Uh, oh, the early strip, the first 20 years or so, uh, it was all populated. The stories were taken from a small town um, occurrence is called Thimble Theater. That's what Seagar created. So we, we're definitely the hometown of Popeye. Um, Metropolis, you know. <laughs> but there was a Brutus and everybody, I guess, all the characters? Combination of all the villains together. Bluto, the big Bluto, bad boy. Bluto, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. But Rocky Fiegel was the real Popeye. He was the real deal. He, he, uh, hmm. he could take on several at a time, and they would limp off to get medical assistance, and he'd go back to the bar. Was he in the Navy or something? Is that why? No. Uh, Wikipedia had a picture up for quite a few years. Um, it was a, uh, a lead stoker for His Majesty's steamship, and that was everybody thought that was the original Rocky Fiegel. Batman was serving after Elsie Seeger was already dead. Hmm. Uh, you know, so we finally got that changed. It took a lot, but... Um, <clears throat> the Popeye statues back in 1977 we put up a bronze statue of Popeye yeah. and he was right on the river right on the bridge kind of a romantic spot people you know on the river he's protecting the town and it was good for, Pop- for our tourism and then it kind of faded away and then in 2006 we started putting up granite statues so every year since then we put up a statue to one, two, three or four characters each year so it's uh, put us on the map we've had 96 countries come because of it oh my gosh yeah. and, uh, it's a destination uh, it, location it, is and before LZ died, he put Hulkus Polkus into a strip, and that was a one-off. Oh, the, the magician, a magician that was in the strip. In, in the strip, okay. it was just a one-off. Um, ah, interesting. Yeah. Well, Mike, thanks very much. Now we got a little bit of trivia. Oh, thanks. Just, How about that? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's about Popeye Chester. 
Uh, so, Jim, back over then to you and magic. So, <laughs> uh, you have did you have a book out also? Didn't you have a? Uh, I've had lecture notes out. Lecture notes. No, no, I haven't done a book. Okay. Have you toured uh, a, a lot with your lecture around here? Or have you been overseas? I, I used to. I did some lectures in the, on the East Coast mm -hmm. uh, years back, about 2005. Uh, I did some of the jubilees for yeah. Stephen. Stephen. Yeah. Uh, I did an IBM once in San Diego, I believe. Yeah. yeah and that's, that's about it. I haven't lectured light lately, though. But the reason I was asking if you were from St. Louis, but Waterloo's close enough, you probably went to DeVos Den, I guess, uh, which no, was the magic shop. I'm originally shop here. from Chicago. Oh, from Chicago. I didn't okay. come down here to, to 95. Okay, because DeVos Den, as I recall, I think that was where I first got my magic kit when I was a kid, a little sneaky Pete uh, magic kit that my yeah. folks had bought for me from, from DeVos. Um, but uh, so in Chicago, there's a land of, Chicago, of uh, magic certainly up there uh, oh, yeah. with all the magic shops and everybody. So you grew up with uh, Jay Marshall and all those guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in 75, I walked into Mr. C's Magic Lounge. Oh, yeah. In Berwyn, a west suburb of Berwyn. Chicago, yeah. and that's where I started. <laughs> that's where I started working. Uh, yeah, after that, before that, it was just friends and family. But I walked into there, and uh, he had a, a friend behind the bar, Denny, who he would send out to the tables to perform. Mm -hmm. And he came out to my table. I was there with a girl, and he performed uh, Hammond's Final Ace with the Gaff Aces. Hmm. So we were talking, and he looked at me, and he said, "You know, by the way, you talk." You sound like you know a little. You're a magician. I said, well, I do a little cards. He said, do something for me. So I did an assembly like Hammond's final ace, but right. no gaffs. And he picked up his cards and his pad, <laughs> and he went back behind the bar, and he says, don't you ever send me out to the table again. <laughs> That's how I started. As a matter of fact, uh, when I started, the first weekend, when I, got, I was working Tuesday through Friday when he first hired me, I walked in Friday, and I met, I think, an 18-year-old Randy Wakeman was yeah. there. So Randy and I would become friends. You know, we were both doing similar stuff. And um, he was the one that got the idea because he asked me, with all your interest in cards, he yeah. says, why haven't you ever met Ed Marlowe? Mm -hmm. I said, I don't know. I mean, I obviously knew he was from Chicago. He used to stamp his name and address in the early books. <laughs> yeah. And I said, I don't know. So Randy said, why don't we go up some Saturday? And we did. We went up a Saturday in uh, December of 75. We got there early, had lunch, and about 12 o'clock, in walks Ed, walks over to the other side of the restaurant, sits down. And we got lucky because uh, it, when I joined the round table, it was Steve Drawn, Dave Solomon, Simon Aronson. Okay. Those were the main characters. They were all out of town. Nobody was there except mm. Ed. So we had lunch, and after lunch, we took out our cards. And I went, and Ed got up, <laughs> walked over, <laughs> and introduced himself to us. Like a moth to a flame. Yeah. So we, we talked for a bit, and he sat down. And I wasn't smart back then. I mean, I'm, I'm still shuffling, but I noticed I was there with Randy, Mr. C, and one other magician. And all the cards were gone. They were off the table, hmm. except mine. And they said, why don't you show something to Ed? And I said, yeah, right. <laughs> so I, I, I did a, a cheating at blackjack thing that I used to do. Uh -huh. And I did that for him. And uh, he was very nice. He said, I obviously know what you're doing. He says, but I cannot see what you're doing. You've blended it into your actions really well. So How that nice. made me feel really good. Sure. Yeah. And uh, that was it. Every Saturday after that for five years, 
You were part back, of the group. Yeah, broke in, got to know Steve and Dave and Simon, obviously. Right. Then. So it was it was great times. And I, you know, when I met Ed, I had already been doing magic since I was a young teen. Mm-hmm. And when I went to the round table and saw what they were doing there, I was stunned. Wow. It, it was it was the life lesson of knowing card tricks yeah. and card magic. Uh-huh. Big difference. Big difference. Uh, there is. And we hear so many stories, like Howard was talking about Charlie Miller and uh, talking then about, uh, of course, Divernon and others. We don't hear a lot of stories about Ed Marlowe as much. I'm sure you got a few things you can <laughs> tell. Yeah, I got a few. Uh, I, I told somebody else tonight, uh, one of my favorite stories I heard from Dave okay. Solomon. And it was uh, Johnny Thompson and Ed having lunch. <laughs> and I know anybody who's done cards, if you've been through Scarney on Cards or the Encyclopedia of Card Tricks, there's an old trick called the piano card trick. Oh, yeah. Simple trick, yeah, right? Yeah, right? So Johnny's eating, and Ed's doing the piano card trick for him. Okay. And he goes through it the first time, and he goes, blah, blah, blah. So he says, let me show you again. And Ed goes through it again, and he gets down to that out card. I'll put it here. Right. And he says, now, that's even. Here's the odd. Here's the odd card. And he said, do you remember what the odd card was? And Johnny, Car- Johnny Thompson looked at me. He says, if you're telling me that that's the ace of spades, oh, shit. <laughs> and Ed went, shitter's over there. <laughs> <laughs> that was one of the best ones I ever heard. And there was always legendary stories of Ed going out with Dave and, and them, to going to dinner at Julian's. And yep. It was big in Chicago. And they'd pull up. The valet would take the card, and Ed and uh, Solomon and them are looking around. Ed's still in the backseat of the car working on cars. The valet <laughs> is parking the car. The car. <laughs> they have to go get Ed. <laughs> yeah. Some great stuff. And I, he, was, he was a very generous man. Uh, he would sit there. You wanted to learn something? He'd sit there all day with you, I'll show you. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I remember one time I uh, had seen center deals from people. And I asked Ed at the round table, would you show me a center deal? He says, let's have dinner on a Sunday when it's just the two of us. I said, okay. He kind of wanted to keep that little secret. Yeah. So I picked him up one Sunday. We went back to the restaurant he usually goes to. We sat down. And he says, well, what bottom deal do you use? And I showed him. And to make a long story short, I do my bottom deal differently now, too. Yeah. So I did it for him. And he says, okay, here's what you have to do for the center deal. And I watched him do it. And he said, now you got to put your hands like this. And he was doing, he was showing me one that was d- done with the step. And I looked at it and I said, I can't do that. And he looked at me and he says, you're right, you can't do that. I said, well, thanks, Ed, for all the help. <laughs> but what he was saying was, you tell yourself you can't do it. Oh. You can't do it. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it was, he was very. That's an important lesson right there. Oh, very important lesson. And I loved being at the round table. He was one of the few guys I ever knew. No matter, I had a lot of stuff in print. Yeah. And yet I told him, you know what? I was working on this book, out of the, uh, the trick out of the Kardashian. And I'd explain it to him. And it might take him a second or so. And he says, oh, yeah. And he, he'd do it. Mm-hmm. It was just amazing. And he, the repertoire in his mind was yeah. just oh, endless. Yeah. And he was very funny with people at the table who all had different interests. You know, mine were like false deals. Uh, yeah, some people like to pass and stuff. And he knew <laughs> what everybody's favorite thing was, and he'd fool you with it. 
with your with that thing, yeah. your own, your own his special. Sleight of, when I met him, he was like 63 when I met him. Mm-hmm. And uh, his sleight of hand was impeccable. Impeccable. You know, when you'd watch the trick, and, and when I'm sure Howard would tell you the same thing about Vernon, you'd watch a trick, and you'd have no clue as yeah. to what just transpired. When did he die? How old was he? Uh, 91 he died. Okay. And he was born in 13. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. so about 78. I can only imagine if he and Harry Lorraine got together with their endless knowledge that they'd probably still be here doing tricks, yeah. everything different. Yeah, that was, that was an, another that you mentioned. That was another great thing about being a member of the roundtable because anybody that came through Chicago would come to the roundtable to yeah. see Ed. So I, that's where I first met Rocker Bomber. I met Harry Lorraine there. I met, uh, uh, who was uh, Man, I can't think of his name. He published Seven Secrets. Wagner, J.C. Wagner. Yeah. J.C. Wagner came. Yeah, I, I met so many people through that, uh, that roundtable. It was great. Now, the Chicago roundtable is different from that roundtable. Is that correct, or is it still part of the – when I think of the – like the picture of the Chicago roundtable that was that drawing by uh, uh, Salvo, or I've forgotten his name. You know what I'm talking about? Well, it's changed over the years. Yeah, I know that different people have come and gone from right. that. Right. I but mean, at one time, Eddie's best friend, Carmen – yeah. Uh, he, uh, D'Amico, he was part of the roundtable. And then when I was part of the roundtable from 75 to 80. Right. And in the late 70s is when I first met Bill Malone. And he mm-hmm. started coming to the roundtable. Yeah. And then there was Bill and a, a group of different guys that hung out for a while with Ed. And uh, yeah, it's just transpired from one decade to the next decade. Wow. Wow. Well, we could stand here or sit here for a while, probably talking about yeah. a lot of stories, you know, about uh, yeah. all that. And I appreciate that. Thank you very much, Jim. I appreciate the uh, stories. No problem. I pleasure. Jim Lonary. <laughs> I think we should finish with Howard Hamburg. Howard, why don't you come over and have a seat then as well? We'll wrap it up with Howard then. It'll be a nice evening here. All right. I know we had uh, Howard earlier than this evening, and so Howie. Owie, I like to say, Owie, because uh, Vernon left off the D, I'll just leave off the H. I'll just call you Owie. So. <laughs> you, know, you, brought up, you brought up Gazzo's name. <laughs> yeah, brought up Gazzo's name, yes. Uh, actually, he's doing fairly well. He is doing better now? Yeah, he's had, uh, I talked to him, he's going back to you London. You put the mic a little closer there. He's going back to London, and uh, he's had physical therapy, he's doing well. Oh, good then, okay. But I do have a Gazzo story. Let's hear it. You mentioned the fact he had the first stroke. Yeah. I was at the Magic Castle. Tony Giorgio was my friend for 53 years. And Tony said to me, let's hit these guys up for some money. Mm-hmm. So he gave me a bag, and I, I put in 40 bucks, and Tony put in 100, and we went our separate ways through the castle trying to collect money. Yeah. So then we got about $675 dollars. It was pretty good. It was a Monday night, and we hit all these guys up. Yeah. He says, come on, we're going to go over Wednesday and give it to them. And I said, I can't. I've got a commitment. So uh, on Friday, I called Gasso, and his mother and father had come in from England, and I knew them. And I said, I'd like to come over and spend some time with Gasso. Is it all right? He said, sure. So I get over there, and I'm I brought some cake that they like, and they were making coffee and tea. Mm-hmm. And we sat in the living room for a half an hour. Hmm. And I said to Gaz, so help me. <laughs> I said, Gaz, I said, you know, wasn't that incredible that 
such short notice, Tony Giorgio was able to collect 2240 bucks. <laughs> and I thought he was going to have another stroke. <laughs> so that's Gasso's favorite story. <laughs> Got him. That's, that's very good. One of the people I know you talk about, uh, Charlie Miller and uh, Larry Jennings and all the, of course, Vernon and others. I, I don't hear a lot of stories about Johnny Platt. I remember being at the castle one time and one of the... Uh, waitresses was talking about and seeing Johnny kind of sitting over there uh, on his own and Vernon had was, was surrounded by you and everybody else you know just kind of his his in his orbit but uh, there was you know, slave saying you know there's what there was a gentleman who was also financially responsible for uh, die for a long time I can't think of what his name is well Bill Bowers Bill Bowers the guy I'm trying to think of thank you yeah the bill kind of worked with him but he said you know, Johnny needs to have somebody like Bill, someone to take care of him. And then, anyhow, Johnny didn't last too well, much someone longer. Someone asked me one time, who do I consider a great entertainer at the yeah. Magic Castle? I said, Johnny Platt. Wow. Johnny would have his, his little valise next to him, mm-hmm. do a packet trick. While they're applauding, he's resetting it. Hmm. And but he put a and he played and he had the he finished with the Indian cups and balls. He did it really beautiful. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's right. But he was he was wonderful. What a great performer! And he worked in Chicago also, Jimmy. And what was the name of the place? The uh, Palmer House. Yeah. yeah. And I understand that he used to do a vanishing birdcage. And I'm told that it's not like what uh, Walter Blaney's is, but his was much smaller. Did you ever see him, Jimmy? Or did you did you ever see him do a vanishing birdcage then, Allie? No. No, but I understand he did that sitting down at the table. So he, he performed Chicago style, seated at the table, you know, like that, as he was doing, uh, working at the Palmer House. When you mentioned the birdcage, uh, Blackstone Jr., I loved his line. He's got all the kids holding his arms in his hand. It disappears. Uh-huh. And he said, would you like to see it again? And they said, yes, I'll be right back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you mentioned something about Bill was talking about the books and everything. Mm-hmm. And one of Vernon's uh, sayings was, if you want to keep anything a secret magic, put it in print. Put it in print. Yeah. I thought that was Jay Marshall's line. That's Vernon's? Who knows? Oh, no. <laughs> they both claim it. They're, they're both gone. <laughs> That's right. That's right. But he said it uh, very often then as well. Uh, so some other people who were kind of in that orbit, you had mentioned Tony Giorgio. and it's not, Tony used to have a column, I think, in Genie Magazine yeah. way back when, too, also, didn't he? You know, you bring Larry Jennings' name up and, and Tony's, right? Yeah, those two guys got along like oil and water, didn't they? Yeah, just, uh, oil and oil. <laughs> and... Um, Tony wrote this, sorry, well, one, one night I was sitting at the end of the bar with Tony. We were having a glass of wine. And um, he was trying, he was entertaining these three women that were in the industry, I think Warner Brothers or oh, that Param- kind of industry. Okay, not- Paramount or something. And he was going out with the card, holding my wrist and, uh, you know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. And they weren't, they weren't that appreciative of it because they've seen all this magic all night sure, long. Sure, And I'm sitting to Tony's left, and I said... Uh, south with it go out with it another one mm-hmm. so he had her select a card and his hand dropped i took it he's still talking with him and i go over to the you know how you go the stairs there's the woman's room over there mm-hmm. and i knocked on the door i said janitorial and there was no answer and i went in the woman's room and i put the card in the toilet seat in the, <laughs> and uh in the in one of the stalls yeah yeah and uh i sat back i sat down. He's still talking to him. I said, uh, toilet seat, woman's room. 
Now, we would double-cross each other every so often, but I, would, I didn't want to do that there. Right. So he says, your, uh, your card's gone. And he shows the decks, the card's gone. He says, up here anywhere, the kitchen, uh, uh, maybe the dining room, the woman's room, which one? Well, what do you think a woman would say? You know, <laughs> yeah. She's safe with that. A woman's room. He says, go. He says, where? To the woman's room. She comes out screaming. It was, the, it, was, it, it, was, it was, I mean, he never left the bar. It was the greatest trick in the world. Segway, six months later, Tony and I are having a glass, and a fellow comes in, uh, a member, with his fiance. Uh -huh. And he said, uh, Mr. Hamburg or Mr. Giorgio, would you mind doing something for my, my fiance? I'd really like that. And uh, Tony, there was a deck of cards sitting on the bar. And Tony looked at the deck. I looked at the deck. We knew what to do. You know, that was going to be it. Select the card. Sure. Well, the place, I, I, I went out. He went out with it. I took it. And uh, Daryl's person Daryl was friendly with was standing near the uh, fireplace. And I said, uh, I can't get into the woman's room. The place is mobbed. Hmm. I said, would you just put that in the toilets, on the toilet seat? And steer the lady in the yellow dress over there if you could. She said, sure. So the card's gone. Could be the library. Could be this, the, the woman's room. You name it. She said, woman's room. Okay. And uh, she goes, she says, okay, what do I do in the woman's room? She says, your card's in the woman's room. You just pick the woman's room. So she goes out. She comes back. Scott screaming. <laughs> She was whiter than your socks. Yeah. The place, no one would talk. They thought someone was going hallucinating or something. And she's trembling, holding her sign card. Mm -hmm. Five stools down is, is uh, Larry Jennings. <laughs> and Larry says, uh, what happened? I told her where it could, any place she could find it. She picked the ladies' room. It was on the toilet seat. And uh, I never left the bar. Mm -hmm. And Larry said, damn it. And he slammed his hand down on the bar. My wine actually lifted. Hmm. Boom, you know. Yeah. He says, that's my trick. I, I invented card to urinal. <laughs> now, you can look in those in the magazine you will find that story, that story? exactly written the way I just told it. <laughs> so at the end of the article, Tony writes, you know, for card to urinal belongs to, to, oh, in order to keep magic history safe, uh, uh, correct. Yeah. <laughs> card to urinal belongs to Tony Giorgio, but card to woman's toilet seat belongs to Howard Hamburg and Tony Giorgio. <laughs> it's, in, it's in print. It's in there. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's and in, again. It's in the. That's, so it's lost to history because it's in print then someplace. Uh, you mentioned also briefly about Francis Carlyle. He was instrumental in uh, some of my early card magic. I loved everything in that the book of his magic. And I did like everything for a long time at restaurants and things. Still, I got a few things that are from that, my, my repertoire that were from there. He, as I understand, was an alcoholic. I mean, it, so he was... He became, what happened, Scott, is he was working a cruise ship. His brother, who was in New York in an apartment, fell asleep while he was smoking. Hmm. And there was a big fire when... On when, the ship? Uh, no, on, uh, in the apartment oh, 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 I'm where sorry. his brother was. By the time he got back to New York, his brother had died. Hmm. And he became an alcoholic right there. And he, he made up some beautiful poetry... I mean, he, 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 it was wonderful. 
If you have time, I'll share another story about him. You got time, folks? Sure. Okay. So uh, Vernon and, and, and uh, Francis and I were sit, stand, sitting at the table. He was going to do a, um, uh, Francis is going to do a, a lecture mm -hmm. for the magician members in the close-up room. Yeah. When it was announced like a month before, it, that was it. I mean, boom, everyone wanted to see Francis. So the professor says, here, why don't you introduce him, Howard? I says, no, 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 you were in New York with him. You should introduce him. So uh, Francis says, well, you guys have your regular seats. because We sat in a special spot up there in the top row. And uh, he said, I'm going to, about 15 minutes in, I'm going to ask the magician to select a card. And then it's going to go back in the deck. And I'm going to say the following to all the magicians. Don't take your eyes off the deck. Mm -hmm. Well, about 15 minutes later, select a card. Boom, boom. Don't take your eyes off the deck. <laughs> I don't know if you, can you hear me? I can hold it up to you. Francis is holding the deck here. Okay. At waist level. Yeah. And he goes like this, like like it's a little jostle, jostle with his, yeah, like 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 a little twitch, twitch. He goes like this, and I saw twenty five sets of eyes go straight up, and he called it bouncing their eyes off the deck. Okay, he he just did this, and everyone looks straight. You know, it's like going for your glasses. Amazing, but he just did this, and then he turns to to the professor and me, and he says, "Next, I'm going to talk about misdirection." <laughs> <laughs> Great. He, he was wonderful. One other guy that I, uh, before we start to close over here, uh, who was instrumental in the beginning of the Magic Castle years, whose picture is there in the close-up gallery, is uh, Joe... Casari? Not Casari, no. Is it Joe, just a minute. Help me. Uh, he's, his picture is right there in the close-up gallery. Uh, well, you got Charlie Miller in the close-up. I know, but I'm, I'm, he's holding the Seven of Diamonds. Oh, Jay Osey. Not Joe, but Jay. Jay Osey. Yeah, Jay Osey's yeah. holding the Seven of Diamonds on the back wall. Right, right. Yeah. Because I've done, when I was working there, I was doing a trick and ended up with Seven of Diamonds and had everybody turn around and look. And, yeah, my grandfather's guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, you got some stories about uh, Jay? Did you know yeah, him back uh, then? Jay, my God, Jay... If it wasn't for J.O.C., Tony Giorgio, and Albert Goshman, I don't think the Castle Lee existed. Wow. That's quite a statement. Because these guys put it on the map. Mm -hmm. yeah. People came back night after night to see them. Absolutely. And um, uh, uh, Jay was, uh, had a tremendous memory. Mm -hmm. And he, he would meet you and talk, oh, and do you have any kids? Yeah, I could, uh, you mentioned your daughters. Oh, going to school? Six months later, hey, how's your daughter? Is she graduated yet? And yeah, you know that sort of stuff. Um, when you mention Albert, he did something I've never seen a magician do it anywhere. Really? I'd be sitting at the Vernon table, mm -hmm. and Albert's working the close-up room. People are lined up because sure. they're cleaning the room up. You know yeah. how, right. right? Right. And he'd come out with a program. And he would look around like a tourist for 20 <laughs> seconds, Okay. call over the host of the room, uh -huh. and say, fell in the blue tie to my left, lady in the red dress to my right. 
He didn't want to pick anyone that was drunk. He didn't want to pick anyone that had a drink in their hand. Right. He didn't want to pick anyone that was boisterous mm -hmm. or shy. And in 20 seconds, he knew how important those people were at that table. That's exactly what he did for every show. He'd come out and he would nail it every time. He knew exactly yep, who. Yeah, he'd just look perfect. around and he, he just listened and watched them for about 20 seconds. He knew. Huh. Yeah. Who were standing in line yeah, already ready, in line. ready to come to his next yeah. show. And he'd tell the host, lady in the blue dress, to my left, not to my right, to my left. And the fellow. The, it whatever. made a difference, too, because the way that he would put that under the salt shaker, yeah, right. you know, to the side and everything then, too. You know, he only did like three or four things. Mm -hmm. he, he, he did the, the he closed with the divano deck. Mm -hmm. And he did uh, sponge balls, balls. and he did the, the coins under the salt, the, shaker. salt shakers. Mm -hmm. And I asked him once, what do you attribute your success? He says, Howard, every day I try to think. I do those three things better than anybody, mm -hmm. and I've done it for 35 years. Every day I think, how can I make it better? Every single day. Wow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, the first time I went to the Magic Castle, Bruce Servon was in the close-up room, and I was rather disappointed because he was doing sponge balls and hopping halves, and I thought, I can do that. You know, I mean, it wasn't until later I started thinking about the presentation of it. I was just looking at an early age of, in my Magic career of, of tricks, you know, and that was, those were tricks I understood. He wasn't doing expert sleight of hand that I had well, heard this Bruce Servon was good yeah, at. He's, he, but he had that, that edge to him and, mm -hmm. you know... A little condescending to people, and uh, it was one of Vernon's favorite jokes that I made up one time. I said, um, two spectators who had just come out of a uh, close-up room after seeing Bruce Servan, yeah, one turned to the other and said, "You know that effing a-hole is good." <laughs> that's a good one i can see why vernon would like that as well or howie thank you very much i appreciate you being a guest and uh, i want to thank each of my guests very much thank you guys for being here then tonight thank you for sticking around and uh i want to thank everybody if you guys can, if who are still here by the way that if you can come back over want to take a picture with everybody so alan and uh, uh mike and uh and um, uh, trudy if you can come back over here and and a few people who just want to get uh, a picture then uh, if we can. So listen again, thank you guys. And tomorrow morning, I guess we'll see you over at breakfast uh, here as well. And uh, I want to thank uh, Randy Kalen very much. Thank you for the introduction. And uh, so that's it for this episode. This is Scotty out. Thank you. Scott, thank you. <laughs>